Welcome back to the Decoy Doggers podcast. I'm your host, Homer Janes. Today we're talking with James Bostock from Boss Predator Acoustics. I'm sure if uh, you bought some some sounds outside the normal uh, Fox Pro or Lucky Duck sounds or Icotech sounds, I'm sure you probably know who James is. He's got some great sounds out there. We have a fun conversation. We talk about a variety of, of um, topics. A uh, little bit of decoying, but not much. It's it's mainly about sounds, uh, calibers, and just kind of coyote hunting. So I hope you enjoy. James, appreciate you joining us on the podcast today. How are you, sir? Yeah, I'm good. Glad to be here. Appreciate you having me. So you are Boss Boss Coyote Acoustics, is that correct? Boss Predator Predator Acoustics. Predator Acoustics, that's yeah. right. Sorry about yeah. that. Although, you know, uh, you know, I can see the confusion because I am a coyote Primary hunting coyote. fool. Right. Yeah, I love it. I absolutely love it, though. My sounds, you know, if you're looking at the prey... You're going to get yeah. a response from yeah. other predators, but coyotes, my gig. Yeah, so. for sure. So tell us about yourself, how you got into the, the coyote game and then into the recording of sounds. Okay. So I started out, um, well, let's go back a ways. When I was a kid in my family, I was the only guy that loved hunting. I mean, it just, we had a big family, pretty crazy, had a lot of brothers. Um, we fought a lot. My dad was a tough, strict man. Sure. Had a lot of rules and what have you, and, you know, probably got my butt beat <laughs> at least two or three times a week. Sure. And um, so going out hunting just provided some solace. It was a quiet place where I had more control over my environment. In my right. house, my dad did. But when I was out hunting by myself, I had kind of complete control of what I was doing. And there was something just, it was just quiet, peaceful, unlike our home. Right. And so I spent a lot of time hunting and saved all my allowances. We had jobs that we had to do for our allowance, uh, you know, chores and things that had to be done and uh, homework and what have you and grades. But so I spent a lot of time hunting and then uh, I got a little older and and this is going to be, I haven't talked about this, but my brother ended up committing suicide with a high powered rifle. I'm sorry to hear that. Yeah. And so, you know, I gave up hunting for... It took me, I sold all my guns, I sold everything. It took me about eight years probably to work past that. And I actually went into counseling. That's, uh, I got my master's in counseling. And a good bit of that is due to the fact um, that my brother passed, you know. Can, Can I ask how old you were at that time? 23. Okay. So, but. I think it, it took me a while to get past it. He was my twin brother. Okay. And so, you know, like, I just couldn't look at a gun. Right. But in my in the past, you know, in high school, everybody thought I was going to be a fishing game officer or right. a taxidermist. Right. So it, it crept back into my life. And, uh, you know, I couldn't help it. And once I, I seemed to get past the worst of of that, then I started leaning back towards where my heart was. Right. So started hunting again, but I truly didn't 
love coyote hunting. I, I, honestly, I'd go out and do it incidentally, or I, I had a, I made a call by myself before Fox Pro came out with calls. I made it, I took a Pioneer speaker. Okay. I used to build computers because I, I, that was a passion of mine as well. And so I just kind of hobbled together a speaker that had computer jacks on the back of it so I could plug a three and a half, you know, cable in there, right. audio jack cable. Get two fifty-foot lengths of that with a Radio Shack amplifier, okay. and I'd put that into a little Walkman. All right, and so it was pretty good. It get when it got wet, it started crackling and doing some crazy things. So I always had to have hand calls right. with me. And uh, so this is back I, in the late late nineties, mid nineties, or was this? Oh, that was probably what was before. Fox Pro started coming out with calls. Okay. So I think they said had, they were two, I, early 2000s. I was going to say, if there. I had to hazard a guess, it would be before my son was born, and he was born in 99. Yeah. So probably a bit before that. And so, yeah, because Pocatello, I'd have been doing my master's program. Okay. So, yeah. So, so you know, I, but but the fact is I didn't love it. All right. I didn't love it until I started night hunting. Okay. And so we, used, my brother and I used to live for deer and elk. His kidneys started failing, and uh, we, I didn't. We didn't know that at the time. We just thought he was overweight, and he's 11 years younger than me. And so we'd be hiking up this mountain to scout all summer. I mean, we used to plan all year long. You know. Right. We'd get up there, and uh, I'd be talking to him like I'm talking to you. And it'd just be dead. Right. No response. I'd look over my shoulder, and he'd be like 110 yards back there or more. Right. Just sucking and, wind oh and no, no, no reason why. Huh? Yep. And so, <clears throat> you know, we just thought he was out of shape and overweight. Right. So, but it got to a point where he was falling asleep a lot, and I was thinking, you know, I, I'm going to get thermal. I bought, they had those old... Raytheon Thermalite 250Ds. It was a big hand scanner that law enforcement and military used. Okay. Saw one on eBay, wanted 8000 for it. And I just was like, oh, my gosh. And I, and I put it on my watch list. And I watched it for almost exactly a year. Uh-huh. And I got some tax money back. And I just thought, you know what? I'm going to throw this guy a message, and we'll just see what happens. And I threw him out a, an offer of 2500 and it was dead quiet. So I figured, oh, okay, you know, I'm, this is a low. But he's been it. sitting on this thing for, for at least year, a year a that year. you knew of. But I knew it was lowballing it, but it's right. the most I had. I mean, it's not like we had a ton of extra right. money, right? You know, so he comes back to me a week later and says, "Okay, I can do twenty five hundred. And at that point, I had already put uh, tires on my wife's car. <laughs> yeah, you're car. spending that money yeah, already. You thought I that you were keeping it. Twenty one hundred now, and I had to go back to him and say, well. You know, yeah. I only have twenty one. Hate to beat you now. up now. <laughs> <laughs> and he was like, Yeah, let's do it. Go yeah. ahead. And so I got my first thermal. We used it that year for deer and elk. And, and when was that? Fifteen years ago this Christmas. Okay. So fifteen years. Okay. Exactly. And two thousand eight ish. Yeah. Yeah. And my son and, and my brother and I, we we'd scout differently. So instead of hiking way up to a high point early in the morning, getting set up and just glassing, glass, glass, glass. And we do that a couple, two, three times, you know, maybe in the evening, in the yeah. mornings. We drove a lot more, and I just used a scanner, and then we get the spotting scope out and just spot if we saw anything that looked like a good heat oh, signature. Yeah. 
and uh, that thing was like a tank. It was like a camcorder type thing. So what I mean, it what it register? How what distance is what it registered well, heat? It was a one x two x optic, two x digital. Did black hot, white hot. Had the basic. Um, it had S video out. If that gives you okay. any idea of the technology, right? So and uh, VGA out, and so. And it used camcorder batteries, which was really convenient, honestly, because they're pick smaller, those up everywhere. you get them anywhere. Yeah. yeah. And, and you can get some big ones or smaller ones. So that was really convenient. But the thing was heavy. It, I think it was a hundred mil lens on it. Oh, yeah. And so, but we could see, man, you could spot heat sources two miles away. Oh, wow. Not, not, not good ones. The difference but between just, detection and identification, right? right? And, and elk bodies pretty big. Yeah, so, I yeah. mean, yeah, but downside is is you got cattle grazing out there and other things. So you're not so, sure what it yeah, is. Yeah, some deer and what have you. So we always had to pull the glass right. out. But um, we normally, my brother and I, would fill our tags first thing in the morning. And this is how the coyote gig started. We're coming down the mountain, and we got the windows open. We've already filled our tags. It's only been 45 minutes since the day opened. And we did our due diligence on scouting, so we'd already both filled our tags, got everything in, in the back of the truck and ready to go. And I hear these coyotes howling out there. And I always took about a week off for deer and elk, right. even though we didn't need that much time. And tomorrow time. you have to go back to work because you just filled your tag in 45 yeah, minutes. Yeah, well, no, <laughs> because I, I took the week off so they knew I was gone. So right. we'd go do something else oh, okay. that was fun. And that's what I said. I was like, hey, we could use this thermal for coyote hunting. Right. We went out that next morning. Like, I couldn't believe the number of coyotes that I actually saw. Because I, I think that I've got a really busy mind. If you know me, like, you could get me off really track really easy. All you have to do <laughs> is steer me a little bit, and my mind just will jump right on it. And I'm like that when I'm hunting during the day. My brain, I, like, I'm supposed to be watching for coyotes, but I'm ticking over projects that I'm working on, right. things that I need to do. Like, and I can't help it. It's just like my brain just, like, I can think pay attention for coyotes, pay attention for coyotes. And I either have to keep repeating that mantra. The second I stop, my brain's off. I'm a little ADHD on something else. And so we went out that morning and I have to look at that screen and it kept me focused, you know, in a way that looking out there at the land with my eyes didn't. Kind of like when I'm glassing. It was the same thing when we're up there scouting and I'm glassing and I'm I'm, I'm kind of doing a checkerboard across the landscape. You know, I'm really focused. But as soon as I stop doing that, my brain starts running. And so so the cool thing was, was we I'd see a lot of ears. That's and I thought they were birds at first. I thought they were sparrows coming across the top of the sage. And then all of a sudden there'd be a gap and uh, there'd be a coyote run by and another one. And I thought. It was like four sparrows, like from a distance. That's what I thought we were looking at. Right. And I'd be like, tell my brother, coyotes, you know, <laughs> and he couldn't see them. And I'm trying to tell him, you know, 12 o'clock, hit two hits, two hits, right. 12 o'clock. I said, just just follow the noise. And he's like, you, you turned off the call. He goes, uh, but that's your call. I said, no, I <laughs> muted the call. Right. He's like, boom, you know. <laughs> right. And so that night we got home and it was like, dude, we could do this at night. Yeah. And, you know, Idaho back then you know, if you were using any kind of artificial light, which thermal rifles were out of my price range right. back 15 years ago. And so it was like, dude, it was night vision or lights. And so I went with night vision and they didn't make IR here 
in country. You couldn't find a good IR to save your life. So I had to order it off a forum from these guys in England that built a hand, you know, built, you know, lamp for me. And, and I got the first night vision. I thought it was like probably one out of five stars is what I would give it. That was with their, you know, onboard IR. Right. I was so disappointed because I spent a lot of money. And then we got that one in from England. It took, I don't know, a couple months. And oh my goodness, like, because we were out seeing coyotes, but my brother would be like, there's coyotes. He'd see them in the thermal. I couldn't see them. But you couldn't them. get them in, no, the, in the infrared. No, couldn't yeah. see anything. And I'm just like, they'd be just the other side of the sage. And it it was dark past that. I couldn't even see eye shine with the included IR. So I got this big monster light. We took that out the first night. That's really, I consider that our first night of true coyote hunting at night. Yeah. And our first stand, I had caught a coyote at 175 yards and, and that was it. It was over. So that's the kind of history. And since then, like, I don't even hunt for deer, elk. I mean, that ended within a year or two. I just, like, coyotes well, that's became a, my thing. That's that's kind of thing with a lot of guys that I've talked to that, you know, especially the decoy guys. I mean, we just, it's just not as fun to go hiking up and down those mountains chasing an elk and yeah. as it is just to go year-round in most states and, and go coyote hunting anytime you want. It's just, I don't know, it's taken over my hunting. me too. And I think the other beautiful thing about night hunting that a lot of guys are under the misconception, or maybe I feel like it's a misconception personally, that day hunting is harder than night hunting, that hand calling is harder than calling with an electronic call. There's a lot of ego in the industry. Let me put it that way, okay? If guys want to feel special, I get it, Okay. The fact is, I hunted coyotes before. I had night, it hunted at night. It's different. It's it's like I find at night, I get a lot more coyotes want to circle me. So my stand has to be set up totally different than during the day when I'm running a decoy. If I'm running a decoy, I have coyotes actually that will come almost directly to my call sometimes. There's still the occasional coyote that will try to shoot downwind, etc. But at night here... You know, here in our area, we've got some non-aggressive dogs. And, man, like, I have to plan on a shooting lane on my right and left. I, I just look at the my property, and I plan for that so that I can bark stop them. Because if they get too far, they're going to get my wind. They're going to they're gonna get in an area where I can't see them, and it's, it's over, you know. They get downwind, I'll never see them again. So I always kind of have that in the forefront of my mind is, do I have a shooting lane to my right and my left? And then I just check my six a lot still because every once in a while I'll still get one back there that is not quite yet in my scent pattern but getting close and I'm always thankful that I turn around and take a look so because it's paid off a lot so do you do much day hunting you said that you're I mean if I stay out late I hunt around the moon be first morning yep so or night sometimes I'll go out a little early and it'll still be you know it's the sun is down but you've got about an hour before it's truly dark. And if I get someplace early, I'll just, like, I can't help myself. I'm thinking, you know, I just go do a stand, right. you know. It doesn't hurt to get started right, right now. And sometimes I stay out late. But I always hunt around the moon. And I think, um, you know, guys always have that question. Like, can you hunt with a big full moon? And 
out here in Idaho makes it tough because we get the wind from the south, west usually, or south. And um, at least with the, the weather pattern for the, about the last eight or nine years, it used to be in the evening, the wind would roll to the west. No matter what it was doing during the day, you'd get a west wind. Now, about the last eight, nine years, it's been southwest. And uh, so I had to kind of change my, all my properties. I kind of had to look at different entry points, et cetera. But that big moon, because we're in the north and the moon is running to the south of us, it makes it really challenging to hunt coyotes at night. If you've got anything, say, more than a 30, 35% moon, you're in trouble because you don't have not any impossible. shadows you can duck into. Yeah, it's not impossible. It makes it more challenging. I've... I don't, I mean, I've, let me, I probably kill, I don't know. You know, I, I'm not big on numbers. Some guys uh, like count every coyote they kill. I can't I, even I, tell you how many I killed in the last month. <laughs> see, I couldn't either. I keep it in, I keep it in my calendar though, because I want to know what, what was there right. on that property. And I keep it in Onyx too. So I keep it in, in a Microsoft, the calendar app. And I'll put it both places, and that way I can search, and I can look really quickly. I can bring up a property owner's name, and then it'll organize it by date, and I can look at the sounds that I've used if I can't remember. A lot of times I just remember, but sometimes you don't, and uh, it's nice to know what I killed over. So, And then I'll put, like, there was one of t I killed one of two, or, you know, I saw three but had a blank stand or no shot or what have you. So I'll just kind of keep track of all that info. And I'm not like a... One of those accountants. No, no, no. You're not no, that I just put some basic right. information in there, you know, and I always drop a drop a pin on my map. So So how'd you get started into recording sounds? So I that happened when I bought my first Fox Pro. Okay. I got a little Spitfire and it held twenty four sounds. And I was a computer guy at that time. So I knew computer guys that I loved hardware. And I knew guys that did software. So I was thinking, my gosh, this has a lot of capacity on it. This will hold a ton of sounds. Right. But at the same time, I could only get 24 to play. So I took my remote and my call and I was like, hey, buddy. His name was Mike. And I was like, hey, Mike, do you, could you by chance check this out? He doesn't live in Kimberly, does he? Dupont? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do you know, I said, do you know, can you make this play more than... 24 sounds and he's let me take a look well the problem is there was a, a read only chip on there so they've written from the factory and you couldn't rewrite it so that's kind of how i started making my own sounds i just thought okay 24 sounds out there i mean can a guy make that work yeah but it, i spent a lot of time changing out my sounds because i didn't want it if i went to a property and i killed over a sound i really didn't want to use that sound again so I was kind of conscious of that. Well, and also seasonal. Yeah, yeah. Well, I did. I had folders that had seasons. I had, but I, what I did was I started creating sequences. Sure. 24 sequences gave me a lot more options, especially if I knew them. And I would call, I just, re, I'd just name them 16 minutes. I didn't even name them something special. I'd say 16 minute sequence, 21 minute sequence, right. you know, and then I knew what sounds were in there and I knew what sounds they started with. So I could bounce around a lot, you know, if I wanted a certain sequence in my mind. With you got 24 sequences, it gives you a lot of flexibility. So that's kind of what I did. And, and uh, honestly, thought about quitting. 
after I got that Fox Pro Fusion. Okay. I was like that close to just like. Just because there's so much capacity, yeah, you so can hold much. a thousand yeah. sounds. Yeah. And I still get guys asking me, hey, man, will you build me a sequence? And I'm like, no. And that's the thing. I, I really don't like getting into sequences just because, I mean, if I see a coyote coming in, I want to change it maybe i want to change it up or go back to a sound or throw a magpie in there real quick or you know whatever well i think that's the best method is if you and that's what i love about thermals because you can like for 15 years i was able to watch coyotes actually how they responded to the stupid idiotic stuff that i was doing in the field you know like the misconceptions that i had a total ignorance of what i was doing and then, you know, I had to, to sort out, like, what is going on here? You know, and there was there were moments where I, I mean, really, I'm just like banging my head against the wall trying to figure out what, why did that just happen? Right. You know, now I don't even think about it. I mean, there are, I like, the, they talk about the three F's. So we talked about this before we got started is where you had, you know, food, fighting and effing, right? right? That, I heard that forever about coyote hunting, but it is more nuanced than that. Uh, And I look for other motivators, but there are six that just stand out. They always, I mean, my percentages are really high. When I go out, I'm not doing 10 stands for a coyote. I'm not doing five stands for a coyote. I'm doing a stand for a coyote or two stands usually. So I'm shooting, like, year to year, I'm probably between 66 and 75%. On stand. Coyote to stand. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, it's not because we have more, like, to more coyotes than everybody else or they're stupider. I think they're, that's a misconception as well, is wherever you live, and I'm talking to all you guys right now out there listening, is that you have the smartest coyotes in the world. I've heard that so matter. many times. Yeah. yeah, I've heard that. Oh, man, North Carolina has the hardest coyotes. Or the oh, most educated. The most educated. They're the, the hardest most. coyotes to hunt. You know, Michigan. Oh, right. Michigan. Oh, you, if you haven't hunted Michigan, you, you haven't coyote hunted. They're the hardest coyotes. And I, I believe that every area brings its challenges. There's no doubt about that. Um, I think the most important thing for me was learning our coyotes. Like, are they aggressive or non-aggressive, you know? Um, out here, we don't have very aggressive coyotes, and I can hear it. When you get an alpha, you know, you know. You're like, oh, trust Whoa. me, decoying, yep. you find out real quick yep. which ones are aggressive and yep. which ones yep. aren't. And then you get the non-aggressive coyotes that want to circle a lot, and with, that's a majority of our coyotes. And, and some guys I've heard in Michigan, you know, um, Michigan, for some reason, um, there were a bunch of guys when I first started selling sounds that were like, man, because I had a lot of aggressive sounds and there, a lot of challenge in my first two packs. And they were like, man, I can't get aggressive with coyotes. If I do, that's the end they of it. turn and burn. Huh? And I'm like, I'm like, okay, mm, we need to talk, you know. And there, there's, some stra- there's a strategy I like to use called a redirect and for calling coyotes that are, are non-aggressive with aggressive sounds. It, it's doable. It's just you have to there's a certain way to do it but those six motivators really are you know hunger protection of territory and resources protection of family curiosity ego and sex this time of year where estrus and breeding is kicking in you know um that that becomes a a factor in play and so i don't think like a lot of guys want to know hey what sounds should i use and i'm never like this sound right no I'm like, what motivator 
do you want to tap? That is my first question on every stand I approach. And I always use the wind. I mean, the basic fundamentals, yeah. If a guy's paying attention to those, good. He, that's got to happen because otherwise you'll never find your consistency or rhythm. Right. But once you have that done, I'm just, I don't think about what sound. I'm thinking about what motivator do I want to tap. And, and normally it's hunger. Um, and that's because I had a misconception. I used to start all my stands with a house, all of them. I mean, for years. And then, I'm, you know, I had thermal and I'm watching four coyotes in a field run away, run straight down this ladder. Off a subordinate female house. Yes. Yeah. A high-pitched female, <laughs> non-aggressive. Yeah. They're about seven, 800. They went straight down the lateral, across the road, under the fence. Then they got vocal with me. Right. And I realized, you know, it took me a little bit because I thought, God, you cowards, you know, how could you be so cowardly, you know? And what I realized was... Well, what they did is they went in their territory. Yes. And then they started howling. Absolutely. It was, they, 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 and they actually came down the fence my way, you know, in my direction. But that fence was, was their they territory. Willing, they will defend that. Yeah, they were. But not the pivot. And it made me realize they were interlopers. And, and once I realized that... Then I had to change my calling strategies because I thought, why are they interloping? They're there to get food. This is a, a, a densely rich resource area that they didn't have access to. Now, I always explain it like two little kids. In, when you're a kid and your neighbor has an apple tree and there's a fence. And they got and, caught. And you're like, hey, man, let's go get an apple because right. kids have poor impulse control. And I think coyotes do too. And so... You know, one of the buddies can talk the other one into jumping that fence, even though you know you're not supposed to be there. And so you get over, you're getting your apple. Well, what happens when you hear somebody else, the guy that owns the, the that neighbor, house, the come neighbor in, yelling at you? Yep, or just coming home. All of a sudden, it's like you're not thinking about the apple anymore. You're thinking about, oh man, I need to get my butt back where, right. back over to my side of the fence, right? And so, you know that. That changed the way I call. Just those little observations, you know. And the longer I hunted, the more of those I had. The more I had to make sense of certain things that were happening. And and uh, over time, uh, those six motivators that I just discussed were the things that consistently brought coyotes. And so I just go to stand, and I don't start with howls anymore. Only if we're in summer and they're denned up. Right. And you're trying to yeah. get inside their territory. Yeah. If I'm there to record, right. then I'm probably using howls. If I'm there to kill, I'm probably using howls and challenge and pup distress. Right. You know, there's a fine balance when I'm trying to get sounds. And so um, that you have to keep because otherwise they'll go silent and they'll come in on you, try to kick you out. So I've got to, I've got to kind of keep that right distance from them you know, and trying to figure out where their territorial lines can be a challenge sometime, unless you have the same den year after year. But I tend to kill the coyotes, so somebody else has to get in there. So who knows? But it's, I don't remember who said this, but, but you know, you kill one. What's good for one is good for the next one. Yeah. So. Yep. And there's some dens that, you know, if it gets occupied, somebody else will come and take it. Yep. You know, they'll, they'll find it and, yep. and say, hey, this is a good spot, you know. I've had that happen a number of times, but so that's kind of how it all got started is just uh, the sound making is those sequences. But when I got that Fox Pro Fusion that held a thousand sounds, 
I think Tony might have been making sounds at the time. There weren't many guys making sounds back then. But because uh, I've been making sounds for 13 years. Um, that's when I started doing the sequencing. It took a couple years after having Thermo for me to spend my summers doing that because I worked right. for a school district right. uh, as their guidance counselor and computer technician. Right. So you were broke. So, yeah, didn't have a lot of money. My wife had some medical <laughs> issues. And so, like, I would feel ashamed. She bought me, a, she'd get me a couple of Tony sounds for Christmas or what have you. But I had all summer off. So, I, you know, I figured, man, if I could make some sounds, like 15 to 20 sounds, and then it gets crazy busy at the beginning of school, you know, everything's going crazy. But it settles down about October, which is when first. About the first week of October 1st starts getting prime, maybe second week. And then I'd have some fresh sounds. So I just started doing that for myself. I never thought anybody would have any interest. So are you are you going out just with a recorder and just kind of rolling it or a video camera and getting it on, so, pulling well, it off video? Or how are you doing Because, I mean, there's obviously guys that have captured coyotes or there's, yeah, you no, know. No, no, no. Like All Tori's got, is, you know, a live den out yeah, there. Yeah, no, but. I don't have the ability to do that, so... I have to go out and collect my sounds, which means I'm fighting wind. I'm fighting, and it, it works better at and, night. And in good old Idaho, we've at least got down. eight mile an hour almost all uh, the time. Uh, yeah, but <laughs> at night, a lot of times, if, if you have, say, 10 mile per hour winds and some gusts during the day, then at night, a lot of times, it might slow down to two to five miles an hour, you know. Uh, there's that little area around dusk where things start to settle down. Coyotes are pretty vocal, and... Um, Probably why, to begin with, I had a lot of coyote like challenge because those during the summer, that's what they're doing. That's, right, they're and, they're protecting. That's their and I again, love those. That's sounds. the way us decoy guys we rely on that. Yep, that yep. Sense. Protection of territory and resources and protection of family. Probably both. I bet. Do you use pup distress? Oh, all the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pup distress and coyote fights are about the best thing that yeah. we're. Or you know, or a, a foreign male coming in, you know, howling yeah. and whatnot. Just. Yeah. Anything to, to spur the aggression, the, yeah. the protection. And that's what the dogs do as well. I mean, protection of territory and resources, man, and protection of family. They, they, won't, they don't want you in their territory. And that's why when they've staked out their claim on a territory during denning, why it's so effective that's during why the summer so months. That's they're so aggressive, yep. And then you've got um, the time when the things are coming off. they're staging. Oh, sorry, we're losing a mic, guys. I, I don't remember. Oh, we were talking about like... Uh, Okay, so when coyotes are denned up, they've got a specific territory. And then 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 we then we've got coyotes that they have their staging area, right? right. So as the pups get a little older, they'll start they've used the they resources expand their closer, area. yeah, because yeah. the resources they pick an area that's heavy on resources, right. okay? That they've got water, they've got all the things they need to stay close to those pups and protect right. them, right? And as the pups get older, they've depleted some of those resources. Now they have to move a little further. So it's perfect It's perfect timing for them to take the pups out to explore a little bit. They'll leave them in a staging area, and then they'll hunt around that. And, um, you know, those are just all really good times because are they still using the den? Yeah. You know, so it makes a really good time to trigger protection of territory and resources, protection of family. That's why I think dogging, I mean— Kind of hard to beat. I've watched some footage and it's Dude, like, you need to come with me. They're right. I, I'm happy to. You I, need to come with me. I love I love hunting. I love hunting. Now, I know the whole day hunting thing, you know, isn't necessarily as much your forte. But, I don't care. But I'm telling you, when you get some a hot pair coming in, 
Oh yeah, your attention's grabbed, and they're and you just let it happen for five, so five, vocal. ten minutes, and just my oh mind. man, it's awesome. Yeah. In fact, I kind of I've always thought, you know, since we're decoying, and we're after that aggression sense, I I wish that I had more recordings of coyotes, you know, coming at the dogs hard and barking at them hard. And I know there's some challenge barks out there, you know what I mean? And there there's some different um, sounds, whether it's you know whether it's mfks or whether it's fox pros or yours or tony's or whatever but man there's some sounds that i i don't hear on any of the recordings that those coyotes are yelling back at the dogs and we need to get that on well i'd be recorded. happy to well, i've been yeah. a good recorder we, with this we've and got to do i'll it. just sit and and record and you can you can shoot i don't see no that. i don't I killed it, enough coyotes that's the funny that, thing is i don't when i take somebody else i don't even care to shoot yeah but if i'm recording that's what i want to <laughs> focus on too much going well, on i'll be behind the camera both. and you do your your like, sound recording yeah, <laughs> it, it kills me sometimes i've had i've heard some beautiful beautiful vocals and i didn't have anything, anything going. recorded yeah. matter of fact i didn't know our females were starting to show yeah. about a week and a half ago yeah. and i had this female whimpering out in this field southeast of me was a two mile per hour night and i was just like i wanted to cry because i was like oh my god not set up to catch it and she was beautiful i mean it was some beautiful sound and i thought i had no recording gear i had no way to capture it and i just thought and i'm going back for her because there were two others we i brought in three they were smart they they did they got in the sage i had two lined up and her head and I could have taken two. I could have taken one, but as soon as I did, the the sage was taller than both both of them, and there was just a little gap there. Right. And I thought, as soon as I shoot one, the other two are jumping in the sage, and that's that. Right. And so I let them go because there's a big field to the southeast that I've got permission on. Right. And the wind wasn't right that night for it, or otherwise I'd have circled around, called them right. from the other side. But that's why I was where I was. But yeah, I think I'm gonna go back with a buddy, and I'm. If she's still in heat, I may take my recording gear and just let him shoot because uh, it'll be a wide open field. If I if I can bring him in on that other side, he'll have plenty of time to shoot right. and I might get some interesting responses. Right. You just never know, yeah. you know. Well, it's, I mean, it's that same old adage, you see the biggest elk when you don't have a gun and you, you, oh, know, yeah. the, you, <laughs> you didn't have the recording equipment when she was out there yeah. giving you what you needed. But happens all the time, but... You know, I just look at it that way. What's cool is now that guys know who, you know, that I'm doing this, it's a lot easier for me to get sounds because guys will send me sounds. You know, guys will be like, hey, will you work this sound or, you know, and a lot of times I'll, I'll do something for them. And then they're like, well, if you, if you like it, you can use it in your new pack. And I'm like, well, if I use it in my new pack, you can have that sound pack. (laughs) Yeah. And they're like, sweet. And so, and I get like... I've got like over Christmas, I got a strange request, uh, you know, hey, I've got this song. Could you clip <laughs> this out of there? Because when my buddy's That's in the funny. field, I yeah. want to play it, you yeah. know, and, <laughs> and uh, you know, I'm like, I wish I could be there to see the look on your buddy's yeah. face when you hit that at volume, you know, 90 percent. Probably his buddy singing in the yeah. shower or something. It's, huh? <laughs> it's awesome. Yeah. And so I'll do, you know, I'll clip a little something for him. It doesn't hurt to do do something for a fella. And, you know, I told him, I said, you know, hey, I said, I, actually, I can stop what I'm doing right now. I said, what song and how much of it do you want? You know, so he told me how much he, he wanted. So I went and I did a fade in or a fade out, you know, so it didn't have. And there was a good spot. He said about two minutes. And I found a good spot about 
215, 216, where it actually moved into another part of the vocals where yeah. that went, wasn't going to work. So I thought, okay, I'll fade it out right there and give him a bit of silence at the end so it doesn't just repeat right. itself. And, uh, yeah, he, he told me, he said uh, his his buddy was cracking up. Now he sent me another request on Christmas Day. He was like, hey, man, I hate to bug you, but would you do another one, you know? So when you record sounds, are, are yours, um, you know, the 30-second blips, or do you really try to put together a 15-minute? Um, no. I don't do sequences. I, 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 I try to do I, – I, tr- I want – I mean, honestly – like if I'm doing howls, like coyote howls, if there's barks, I'm, I want to have more. So if they're short, maybe a minute and short, a half to two minutes, you know, somewhere in there. yeah, there's going to be, there's going to be more vocals in there. And I try to put five second gaps in there. So in case a guy wants to pause, because not all calls give you that beautiful stop. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? Like some calls, when you press the button, I mean, it's like a car crash happening. So if, if guys do have clips that, that they want to pull some sounds off of, um, can they get a hold of you and can they make yeah. the request? And, and I may do it. it. I've got, trust me, I've got a lot of clips that I have to go through. So some guys, you might have to wait a little while. Yeah. Some guys want it right now because they're excited about it. Right. But, you know, it may take me three, four months going through things that are in progress right. already to get to it. And I only do one sound pack a year. Yeah. And, and because... I don't like to just produce a sound or make a sound. I want to test the sound. I don't right. care. I don't care about anything but results. I really don't. Like, there. Like, you see what I'm dressed in. Like, I don't wear the the newest fashions or the most expensive camo. I don't care. <laughs> no, all I care about is like I didn't that buy works. that shiver shield. Did you? Because I get cold. I'm yeah. a skinny guy. I'm six foot okay. three, hundred eighty pounds. Yeah. You know. And I, man, staying warm out there yeah. can be a challenge. So I did get that on somebody else's recommendation, but I waited till it was 50% off during the summer to grab it all. Yeah, I just bought a bunch of stuff yesterday on Cabela's because his <laughs> members get 15% off instead of the regular 10. Yeah. I mean, I just like, for me, you know, I, I do just care about performance. And that's why I don't. I don't buy into a lot of the stuff guys say about calibers or, you know, coyote hunting is a man's sport. I'm sorry. It is like, you have to be tenacious. The guys that do it are dedicated. They're, they're, they're a special breed of hunter in my opinion. And I'm sure there are other animals like wolves and some other animals that really, it's not like deer hunting. It's not like elk or pheasant hunting or duck hunting. And I I respect all those things. I used to, I loved doing all those things, but it's kind of, I kind of look at coyote hunting as the football players of the hunting world. And whenever you get a bunch of guys together with that much testosterone and ego, you're going to have some Pissing arguing, match. Yeah. yeah. Oh, two twenty two two fifty is better than anything, you know, and, or, a 243 or six, you know, and they'll argue about tripods, they'll argue about calibers, they'll argue about which calls. What are it best, comes down to is what works for you and what you're comfortable with. Absolutely, and so really, I I'm not going to get in a pissing match with anybody. I I don't care enough. I'm not that kind of guy. I, am I competitive? Yeah, but like it doesn't. That stuff doesn't matter to me. What matters to me is when I go out. Is what I'm using producing good results or not? 
And the stuff that's not goes by the wayside. The stuff that is stays with me. Like I've shot a 20, 223 for 15 years now. I love it. I wouldn't prop. I won't. I've got other guns. I've got 243, 65 Creedmoor, 308, you know, et cetera, 300 Win Mag, what have you. But for coyotes, I love the 223. I only shoot out to about 400 yards anyway at night. And that's a max. Yeah. And a lot of guys will complain that you get runners. You know, I'm getting runners. I'm getting runners, you know, with 223. Well, shoot you, a better bullet, put it in a better place. Yeah, exactly. That's kind of exactly what I think. It's like, it's it's not just a better bullet. Use a bullet, but know what it does and what its strengths yep. and attributes are. What do you are. shoot? I, right now I'm using Blitzkings, 55 grain Blitzking. Beautiful. ADI makes them out of Australia. They're accurate. They, what I love about them, I used to, for, let me, I didn't think I could find any bullet better than 50 grain VMAX. And now VMAX have, take a bad beating out there. I like the 53 grain VMAX. Boy, I don't oh. get runners on that. But. Man, well, I found with VMAX, neck shots and boiler room shots, you're, you're dropping that coyote. Yeah. And except for the faster that bullet goes, the more likely you are going to need to anchor it. So I have noticed that. So say... When I used to have some bullets, they were um, American Eagle. I used to love the their VMAX bullets, 50-grain VMAX. And they ran about 3125 out of my gun. And, you know, they varied with the right. year and temperature and what have you. But they were they pretty stable. But I would have coyotes, anything 75 and in, I better be ready to anchor. And I knew that, you know. I might have a – they drop, but – you better be ready to put a second one into it quick just to keep her down. And um, I bought some uh, Underwood, and they're running 3375. So they're cooking. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, I couldn't believe it. When I croned at them, I was like, what in the world? Well, with I love those bullets. They were crazy accurate, flatter. The problem with them was now I had coyotes 115 yards and in that I had to be ready to anchor. It added another 35 yards to what I was doing, you know, 40 yards about. And I just thought, like, I'm not, I, they're still sitting on my shelf. And I, I just went back to, I, I think I bought some Fiocchi 50 grain because of that. I was like, once I found some that were available, I was during the tough years there. But I finally ran out. Um, I got had some that were just, they had, they were bad primers, just not getting them to go. And I changed out my firing pin, did some other things, and they just had some hard primers. It just oh, didn't yeah. want to light up. And so I, my buddy, um, I couldn't find VMAX anywhere. And he was like, man, have you tried 55-grain Blitzkrieg? It was Cash Carlson, actually. Oh, yeah. And uh, so I went out and bought 200. And those bullets are amazing. Now, they're not as good on the neck. So they just don't fragment as fast. And, they, and I'd try things like I would get a broadside coyote, I would put it in his shoulder just to, just to see. see. Yeah. I would shoot through vegetation. Like, that's one of the feelings of the VMAX. You hit a twig. You oh, hit, it just it yeah, shatters. Yeah, grass, yeah. any kind of sage. You know, so I had to change my hunting style a little bit for VMAX because, like, I knew I had to wait till they – I had a clean Clear. open shot. Yep. Yep, yep. that's right. And, uh, but they were deadly effective. I'd get 97 coyotes DRT out of 100. And, and I thought, I'm never going to beat that bullet. Well – I started using those 55 grain Blitz Kings. I can shoot through sage. I can shoot through cheatgrass. I'm 
I'm shooting through shoulders. Now, they're not as good on the neck. If I, I've done some neck shots and they So run. it sends through and... Yeah, it, it yeah. just will not... I won't get those arteries and they will just... Unless I hit the spine, just pass I got through. a runner. <clears throat> yep, they're getting out of there. I got to be ready to shoot a runner. Right. But but crazy effective. And those two bullets are just beautiful on coyotes. If, as long as you know what they can and can't do. And now with the Blitz Kings, I can have one 35 yards. I put one in his chest. It's going down. Right. Whereas with the VMAX, I had to be ready to anchor it. So, like, and, and they're not as good out to say four. I've yeah. shot them on the run and killed them out like 380, yeah. you know. I killed one on the run just a couple, two, three weeks ago out at 380 and, and put it right down. But I don't feel as confident out to four, like 350 to four with these bullets. I think they're just a little heavier. They drop a little bit more. Mm -hmm. I feel like I'm guessing my dope a little bit more because I'm not using a rangefinder mm -hmm. during my scope. So I'd plus I'd rather kill them 200 in in anyway. I mean, I'd ra rather they be as close as possible. Right. But if I'm on a rancher's property, I'm not going to let a coyote get a get out of jail free card. If, if, if all I've got is a 300 plus yard shot, and I'm, my gut's telling me I, I'm going to lose them. They're going to take off, or I, I'm not going to get any closer. Then I'll, I'll, I'll put one out there on them. Yeah. But I don't feel as confident as I did with the V Max at, at, at from 350 to four. So I just think it, for guys, it's just a matter of finding the right bullet for the caliber they're using. Because I think there's some, you know, 243. I mean, all those are viable cartridges. 22250's been lauded as one of the best coyote guns. Uh, you know, cartridges ever of all you know, time and yeah. it is good i've got one but it's fast I flat i don't use it yeah i've got one sitting right behind my desk at home right. it doesn't get used much i i just love 223 so i think that as long as you have a tool that's effective and you figure out what works and what doesn't work which you can do just going out into the field man the more a guy does that he kind of puts in the column over here the things that are working and weeds out the things that aren't, you're going to start getting more consistent. Well, and it goes back to what you're saying about the guys who said that, you know, the Michigan coyotes are the hardest to kill or the New York, I don't care where you're at. Everybody's coyotes are, are yeah. hard to kill, right? Well, those are the guys that aren't actually putting in the effort and doing the homework and doing the, you know, the guys who said that, that you can't kill one with a 17 HMR. I I wouldn't want to kill one with a 17 HMR, number one, but number <laughs> you know shot, some, it's shot placement and getting it yeah absolutely yeah. but it's shot placement and how good are you at getting that coyote close yeah right? and i think the same thing with 223 i'm sure there's guys that say there's better calibers out there oh, 100%. than 223 hey, a 338 wind mag is gonna kill it every time no matter no question duh you know that what i mean right yeah. yeah you hit it in the tail and it's dying you know what i mean yep, yep. <laughs> but uh but that's just, I mean, it, it all just goes back to how much are you putting effort into getting better at your shot placement, mm -hmm. you know, playing with your, and getting comfortable and, yeah. and getting out and doing it. And making sure you know your dope. Right. You, and there's a lot of, and that's, and let me talk to you guys about that. Um, there's something I really, unless you've got a range finder or you've got a ballistic range finder, and they do have some scopes that are coming out with that now, obviously. Um I think a hundred yard zero is not the best way to go. And some guys will have a two hundred yard I, zero. I always leave I it at two hundred, and I never mess with my scope, and I always know right yep. where I'm at. So that when that sucker's running, <laughs> I know where I'm at. I think there's even better than that. I think 
choosing, like for me, I don't think about yardage at all, no. hardly at all, unless they're starting to get into the 354 range. Then I'm thinking, okay, how big does that guy look? And right. what do I really think he is? Am I going to need a holdover on this? Or what? My, what is my holdover going to be? But most coyotes, like I would say 98% of them, all I'm thinking is, is it close, right. medium, or is it a ways or out far. there? Right. And what I do is every gun I have, I don't care what I'm hunting anymore, I have a four-inch high max apogee on every bullet. I'll get the ballistic data on it. And I know that from zero at its highest point, it's going to go exactly four inches high. I will set. I've, I don't have a specific, I'm two inches high at 100 or you know, dead zero at 200. I don't care about any of that. All I care about is what is going to give me a four inch high max apogee. And then I look at how far that is. Is it 175 where it, it starts to come down, Mm -hmm. you know, lower than, you know, where it crosses my sights. And is it, is it 225? Is it 300? And then I just pay attention to that, no matter what I'm hunting. So as long as I know that, then I, then all I have to do is think, is that coyote... Within the four inches or not? Yeah. <laughs> I shoot two inches low on everything that's right. probably within 275 yards. Right. I don't have to hardly think about it. I just shoot two inches low, which is nothing when you're aiming at a coyote. I mean, right. two inches is nothing. So, and I know that the most it's going to go is two inches high above where I actually want it to hit. It's gonna be somewhere between two inches high between where I want it to hit and where I want it to hit right. and or two inches lower. So it's like, and like I don't think about range at all anymore except for is it close, is it medium, right. or is it far? And that's that's it. Well, and again, I, I do think that that kind of has to do with the caliber a little bit. And oh, if absolutely. guys are trying to shoot them at 650. Because mm-hmm. <clears throat> with our two, you know, I gun I shoot the most is 223. And like you said, it's, you know, I know that at it, it, 300 yards, I need eight inches drop. It, yep. It's going to drop. If my 200 zero, it's eight inches. 400, I'm about 15. <laughs> gotcha. Yeah, and you need to know your dope. And yeah. you need to have a rangefinder to, you know. Well, really... and, and honestly, I but that's the thing, especially with decoy dogging. If it's at 300, they're I'm not in, interested in shooting Right, they're it. coming in right on you. I anyway. don't, yeah, my dogs learn nothing if it's at 300 yards. And if my dogs can't get it close, if that is a hot coyote and I can't get it within 300 yards, <laughs> I need to quit decoying. Because I'm telling you what. You know, a lot of times you put them at 15 yards. That's yeah. what I need. To, I don't need to know it. I just need to be able to see the damn thing at that point. Yeah, yeah. That makes sense. And I've seen some beautiful footage where, like, and some, and, and it kills me sometimes because, like, I'm the kind of guy that it's like when I'm watching people doing the dog work, I'm thinking, shoot it, shoot it. Oh, you know, and you so guys funny. are letting them run out it's and come so back funny. and run out. I talk and about come that back. so much. In fact, my brother, this last summer, I sent him a video. I said, hey, tell me, tell me how many times you would have shot this guy. <laughs> yeah, I had a pair come in. And I mean, they're at 35 yards for four minutes. Oh, my gosh. And he told me, he goes, at least seven or eight times. <laughs> and I said, but. But here's the thing, you know, I let that action happen. It's cool to watch. It's cool to put on video. 
and I killed both of them. You know yeah. what I mean? And yeah. both of them dropped. They were, I had one of them run out, ran out to about 75 before it actually died. But I shot them both within 45 yards. Well, and your dogs, it's a lot, that's a lot of training right there. Yeah. I mean, when you're working them in and out, in and out, yeah. in and out, that's like you do that for four minutes. That's four minutes of training. Right. You wouldn't have got if you did it in the first minute. Well, you the, know? yeah. And the other thing is, especially when you have one coyote coming in, um, and, and it goes back to kind of what you said about uh, when we were talking about those coyotes in the field that you kind of run off. But um, when you said that uh, one coyote can, can kind of dare the other one to go out and they get braver if more coyotes show up. So I had, I've had i had coyotes that'll show up and work the dogs at 300 yards and not come in. And then all of a sudden the second one comes in and all of a sudden they're in my there lap. There they are, yep. They're, they're braver and they, they'll push those dogs and they're all of a sudden in my lap and I can kill both of them at 40 yards, 45 yards, yeah. rather than trying to try and to hit one at 300 yeah. with well, eight inch drop. And you'll see it too. You'll see which one the, the, dominant, the dominant dog is yeah. because the other one will go a little ways and then they'll look back over their shoulder. And that's funny. Like, I, I always hey. say that, you know, it's, <laughs> it's funny that uh, if you kill the, the female first, the, the male will stick around to try to defend. But if you kill the male first, the female leaves the male and no, no. <laughs> So just no, like real life. Just like real life. <laughs> women leave their, their partner stranded. I'm just kidding. But but no, it's it's there's a lot of truth to it. I mean, you figure out which one's the dominant, which one's the male. If you can figure out the male, then you try to shoot the female because then you can get the male to come back in. Yeah, I think there's some truth to that. And a lot of guys have that strategy where they want to shoot the one that's furthest away first right. and then try to get the close one. You know, if they've got a double coming in. And uh, I don't know how I feel about that. I usually just, I always trust my gut, no matter what I'm doing. Like I do some long stands. Some guys will ask me, yeah. how long do you spend on stand? And I'm like, man, just I depends tell people on all what the my time. gut tells me. I tell people all the time, if you let the, the stand dictate your, your the, the clock di- dictate your stand, you shouldn't even be out there. Well, I mean, I can understand it if you're. Competition. Uh, yes. If yep. you're derby hunting, 100%. you know, then I totally understand why you want to do 15 yeah. minutes, get on, 15 minutes, get on, you, yeah. you know. Because Not even that a lot of times, yeah. seven, eight to oh, 10 I, minutes. I if you're moving, boy, stand it. yeah, like it would kill my peace. Well, but here's the funny thing is you say that you kind of have the, I, you didn't call it this, but maybe ADD, right? Yeah. Where you can't really focus. Competition is where it's at for you because you only have to pay attention for eight minutes and then you're moving to the next one. No, there's too much, <laughs> too many guys getting like, have you, have you done those derbies before? Yeah, I've done a few. Yeah. So how much negativity did you walk away from? Like guys bitching about other guys? Oh, there's quite a bit. Yes. And this yes. guy was cheating and this, yes. there's no way they it, killed this paints, or that, did it that. paints and colors the whole event for me. You know, it's like, listen, I could have, say, 200 good days right. at work, but the one day my boss is riding my ass, that's the one I remember. Yeah. And it's the same now you're way looking for a when, new I, job. when I go to those, when I go to those, uh, events yeah. is that like, I felt good getting there. Right. I felt good during it. But once I, at the once end, the money's handed out, yes, yeah. once <laughs> and the, and somebody's happy and yeah. some, uh, there's a bunch of guys that aren't. Yeah. And there's a lot of accusations running around. Well, and here's the and thing just, is the guys that are winners, me. I'm telling you. So, for instance, you know, uh, there's a couple of guys that, that uh, are doggers, but they're hardcore. Boy, they are workers. If it's a 36-hour hunt, they don't get a wink of sleep through that. And I oh, can't I do that. And I'm just, no. I want to sleep. I, I could. I, I'm one of those guys that hardly oh, get any sleep anyway. Yeah. You know, I probably got 
two or three hours last night. And I'll do a stretch of those, you know, and then I'll pass out for eight hours at some point, you know, but... Um, well, but what you're saying with the, you know, the killing the, the closer one first, a lot of times it's easier if you do kill that closer one first and, and not the farther one, cause that farther one is the one that's more cautious. And so it'll, it'll run 80 yards and check up where that close one, a lot of times it's in and it's out. You know what I mean? They're the runners. So you kill that first one, that close one first. If now on a decoy, likely it's, it's different, Yeah. but if I'm not. A lot of times, like you said, that one that's maybe at 150 yards, you kill that one that's at 80 yards, you know, that one at 150, it'll, it'll go, just go out to about 200, 250 and check up and you'll get a shot there where that closer one, a lot of times just barrels out. See, I have a problem. I think at night, I think because they can't see exactly what's going on out here and our coyotes, if I get a young coyote, I'll get some stoppage. Yeah. But once I pull the trigger and I'm running suppressed, Man, I'm telling you, it's a full tilt. Yeah. And, and, and there are guys that say, don't shoot. Don't do anything. Just let it run. You know, it will stop. Mm, I, I'm not, uh, maybe. Eventually. Maybe, maybe yeah. Three miles away. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, I've had, I've had stands where I had a big open field, you know, pivot out there and no place to go. And I'm thinking I've got, got a triple right here. I pop that, pop one of them, the one I think is the, the leader. And the next thing I know, like I'm on a coyote ready to shoot it and it's gone, just yeah. totally disappears. Yeah. And so I'm like, where the hell did he go? So I turn, I'm getting on the other dog. I can see it. Boom. It's gone too. It just totally disappears in the field. And what they've done is they've just jumped in a pivot track. Right. I never see them again. That's right. the end of them. I mean, it's like how in the world in the middle of the dark, because I hunt dark nights, or I hunt around the moon. So, right. like, New the moons. moon hasn't risen yet, or it has, or it's already gone down. Uh, those are my favorite times to hunt. And, uh, man, they just disappear. And it's like, how in the world did it know that that pivot track was right there? Both of them, you know, they knew right where it was. And they, and they didn't waste a second getting in there, because I'd have got another shot off if they Well, did. and that's the thing, too, is it depends on their country that they're, I mean, if they're in the wide open, they're going to turn and burn oh, yeah. until they get to the brush. Maybe yeah. they'll check up at the brush or the pivot track or the, once they kind of feel like they have a little bit of cover, then, yeah, maybe they'll, they'll, they'll stop and they'll look back. Yeah. But by that time, all you're seeing is ears yeah. or, you're, you know. Yeah, he, yeah, for me especially. So I, I'll shoot runners. I don't care. I've got a good running game, um, and that, and I will give you guys um, out there some advice that really helped me. When you're watching a live coyote run and you shoot at it with your naked eye through the scope, you're gonna see that dust plume. The problem with that is, you get. Uh, if you're anything like me, you, you may get this misconception that you're shooting behind your coyote, which is going to tend to make you want to lead even more. Now, it, should be, I, it could be over or under. Exactly. Um, this was my problem is I, I got, when I finally got a scope that could record, I mean, I couldn't hit a runner to save my life. And I mean, I was close because, I mean, you could see the dust plume right behind it. And I keep thinking, gosh, dang it, I need to lead more, lead more, lead more. Started watching frame by frame. And literally every shot was right in front of its chest. Oh, really? Right so you're overleading. Right in front of it. I could, see, I could see through the thermal recording the bullet hit. It, it just started. I mean, I could just see it bang right there. The coyote passes it. 
while it's passing, it's starting to plume. And as soon as the coyote gets past it, you see that dust plume on its yeah. tail. And it's like, it, that for me was like huge because I couldn't hit a runner to save my life. And once I started, and I, and I was totally doing the opposite of what I really needed to be doing. I was You're going starting farther to out and you needed more. to reel it yeah. back in. Yeah. I just brought it back some. And and the other thing is shoot in the same magnification. If you're if you're trying to hit runners and you're really struggling, guys, yeah. use a specific magnification to shoot all the time. Well, and I said that earlier. I, I know what my zero is, I know what my drops are, but my I never change my magnification. There you it go. always six, sits on, on six. Yep. I don't yep. care what gun it is, I never change it. And if you do that, what happens is instinctively you'll start knowing like how big that coyote is in your in your view and how much lead you need to give it for its size but if you're bouncing your magnification around you'll never get a good feel for it it it, i I still have that trouble sometimes today when i forget i shoot in 2x which is 7x on my gun because it's a 3.5x base mag so if i go to 2 2 times 3.5 is 7 so i'm shooting in 7. occasionally i'll have a coyote coming so close you're seeing nothing and, but first. And I shoot one <laughs> and the other one runs and I'm, my brain just, because you're doing, it's instinctive shooting. When right. you start shooting at runners, you're doing instinctive shooting. And all of a sudden I'm, I'm missing that coyote, missing, missing, missing. And I'm like, what in the, it's out of the field. And I'm just like, how in God's green earth did I miss that coyote four times, you know? Right. And then I go back and look at the recording later and I'm like, oh my gosh, I was in base mag. <laughs> So I was doubling all my leads. I was right. shooting way ahead of right. it. And so I would encourage you guys, if, you, if you're if you trying to pick up runners and you're struggling, you're really having a tough time, pick a magnification you're comfortable with shooting in and with watching. And it's going to depend on your environment, obviously. If you've got small fields, you're going to have to want to watch. Yeah, you're if your max is 100 yards. Yeah, you're going to want a wider field of view. you know. But pick a magnification, whether you're day hunting or night hunting, to shoot in. And then just use that. You know, you can watch them come in in a wider field of view. And then when you're ready to shoot, just bump to the magnification that you're comfortable with. See, and I won't even do that. Even like on my 6mm and 6.5, the Creedmoors, I don't care if I'm shooting it at 650 yards. I won't touch the mag. Even if I'm watching them coming in, I won't touch the mag. Because then I know it's always where it's supposed to be. There's never a question, never a doubt. You're shooting a day rifle. Pull your galdang binoculars up yeah. if you need to it's tougher when you have a when you got a day optic because when you throw that dial i mean you got to know exactly you can't look over the top of it and try to pick that out at night you know on a depending on your your optic yeah whether you use a night vision or thermal some of those actually you In roll but you can see it yeah. but most of them you press a button and it jumps 2x 3x 4x or 2x 4x 8x right so I'm going to cough right now. No, you're you good. You might have to cut this no, out. No, we'll cut this out. <coughs> I had a tickle back there. No, you're good. That water didn't work for me. Yeah. So, yeah, I think that uh, picking picking that magnification, though, really, really can help a guy out. I know for me, um, and watching, if you can video record what you're doing and go back and review it like you would anything, like a football game, right. you know, when your coaches – you know, went back over and you guys watched the game the previous Friday that you had and they go over and you see exactly where the good things happen and where the mistakes happened. And that way you can 
you can process it and in a way that makes you more effective the next time around. Yeah. And uh, so I pass that advice on because it was no, something that, that made me crazy for a good long time until I till I finally got a scope that recorded. Yeah. And now I kill runners all the time. I and it is instinctual. I just I'm not even thinking about it. like I I'll I shot a shot this last week. Had a had a coyote and I don't like how did I miss that coyote? Right. You know? And you know, and I picked it up on the run. Actually, I had two two within the last couple of weeks that I had to get on the run after a, a failed shot. It was off the left side. I think my gun's shooting just a little bit um, to my right. It's left. And uh, but now that I've watched the footage and I can see where it was splashing and I can see where I'm breaking the shot, uh, you know, it's like, OK, I'll just adjust for that well that's the thing there's no way to practice for running coyotes except to shoot at running coyotes but the problem is it's like they you know it's like they say practice doesn't make perfection perfect practice makes perfection you know what i mean so because you can practice all you yeah you can practice all you want but if all you're doing is shooting out front all the time and thinking that you need to lead more (laughs) yeah and not less yeah there's a problem. Or not knowing that your magnification changes up your leads. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's why I thought I'd mention Screws it. Screws it up. I think there's a lot of guys that, that don't want to shoot a coyote on the run. and it, it It's just because they haven't had the success. The more you do it, yep. And and once you start hitting them, and you you start getting a feel for it. And then it's just it's just not a thing anymore. Right. Like, I, I used to cringe if a coyote ran. I knew I had to kill it on that first shot, and I really work hard on that first shot. But if I had a second one there, I was like, oh, man, that one's getting away. You know, I'm never getting a double on this stand. Now if I have two come in, I'm looking around for like, okay, where is this thing going to try to go, and can I get it before it gets in there, you know? And, and so I'll try to strategically plan that first shot so that I have the best chance of getting the second one before it gets to cover. Right. So that's kind of how I think about it anymore. <laughs> James, I sure appreciate you joining us on the podcast. If somebody does want to get a hold of you to um, either get get some of your recordings or to uh, talk to you about maybe pulling some recordings from them, how do they get a hold of you? Probably best place is on Facebook. I know, I know a lot of guys hate it. Um, I do have an Instagram account as well, boss.predator.acoustics. Um, but Boss Predator Acoustics, either my group or my business page, or just James Bostock. I live here in Twin Falls, Idaho, if you find that one, because there are some other James Bostocks out there. But it's um, going to have your logo on it, I, if I remember right. Your your personal profile yeah. also has the yeah, Boss Acoustics. Yeah, my suppressor, I believe. Yeah. Oh, I yeah. A picture of that there. And But, yeah, um, those are the best ways. The reason why a lot of guys are like, why don't you have a website? Why don't, you know, I could could I be like Tony Tebby or MFK or any, you know, Palais, Rick Palais, yeah. what have Yeah. Yeah. But like my goal, I think because I wanted to keep sounds inexpensive for guys, I was the guy that I made my own sounds because I, I would feel guilty if I spent the money on the sounds that were out there. And I had to look at my wife, say she needed a medication this month, something because we never knew when she was going to have a health issue. And we were always paying off surgeries or we had, she had doctor's visits, et cetera. I'm still paying them off. She's been gone six and a half years now. I've still got two liens on the house. I'm, I'm paying. I mean, that's where all my money goes, yeah. really, uh, because I don't want my son to be in the situation I'm in. Right. So um, I just felt guilty, you know? So, you know, making my sounds, I, 
there's part of me is like, there are some guys that have plenty of money. They can afford, they can afford whatever the, they damn well want. Right. They, I mean, they're going to buy every sound out there. I don't care whether it costs eight bucks or 12 bucks or six bucks, or they're just going to put the money down. Right. But there are those guys that like they're living. And especially with Biden in office, I'm sorry to say if you, <laughs> some of you guys voted for Biden, you know, Hey, it is what it is, brother. But, um, things are more expensive now. It's harder now. Guys have less money in their wallet. And so, like, I've been told I should raise my prices. There are guys that are like, dude, your sounds are worth way more than what you're charging. And I, like, yeah, okay. But the fact is, I don't have a website. I don't do those extra things. They're going to cost me extra money. Matter of fact, Icatech got pretty mad at me. They wanted to put, have my sounds on their audio app. And we flirted for a while together until I found out that, they were going to have wave files, which are 10 to 15 times larger. And I work all of my sounds usually in 32 bit waves. So that isn't a problem. It's that if we ever broke up, if we ever dissolved our relationship, I was going to be left holding the bag, supporting all the sales that went through their app, hmm. which are huge. I can't email a guy a wave. I mean, it's going to exceed the email quota. Right limit. So I just was like, okay, so now I need to get a server. I got to pay for bandwidth year round. I got to pay for storage fees year round. And I, who do I pass that on to? The guys. And I just couldn't bring myself to do it. So I told them no, you know, um, cause they didn't let me know that their new calls only took waves. And we talked about it for a year. I had to find out when I was like JDP, Tony Tebby and myself got the, the three new calls when they came out. We were the first three. And I was trying to put MP3s on there. I was like, what in the world? You know, like the remote wouldn't sync. And I'm just like, and then I, so I started, I actually plugged the call in. I took the SD card out, put it in my computer. And I'm looking at the size of files. And I knew immediately, I was like, oh, they're, oh my gosh, these have to be waves are too big. Right. And so I convert, grabbed my waves and, and put them on there. And sure enough, it worked, but, but I couldn't sign the contract. Right. I couldn't sign a contract that was going to pass 30% goes in their pocket anyway for my stuff being on the app. Plus, if something ever happened, going forward, I, I couldn't get out of, like, having to, to pay that, and you know, a yearly rate that was going to never go away. And I just thought, no, 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 no. So, and they were pretty mad at me. They actually took my ability to sell their calls away. They were pretty furious. But the bottom line is, you guys, I just want the price to be as low as I'm willing to take and, and so that any guy, I don't care how tight your damn budget is, you can have good quality sounds that work. That's the most important to me is that's why it takes me a whole year because I've got to test them out. I want to make, I don't put a sound out if it doesn't do its job and it goes in a trash bin or I come back and rework it until it does work. But if I can never get it to work and there are some sounds that I've thought sounded beautiful that wouldn't. I couldn't get a dog to respond to it the way I needed it to, the way I felt like it should have. And uh, I just go in the trash bucket. So it does. I get one sound pack out a year, but Facebook is it, guys, because it's the best place, a best coyote hunting community. As far as I'm concerned, I can interact with a lot more guys. And uh, you can also email me at boss predator acoustics at gmail.com there you go and i I, honestly it's going to take me a little longer to see it because i get enough junk mail in there that's when i'll see it is when i on friday or whenever when i start deleting junk mail 
I'll see oh Tob Todd or Tom or something. Joe and I'm like, Schmo. Oh, that, yeah. <laughs> that looks like a human being. I better better see what put, that put, one says. Put in the tagline. I'm a coyote hunter or yeah, something. That <laughs> something. Yeah, yeah. If if you put like you know sale, yeah. <laughs> it's gone. I'm never gonna see you, dude. You've been deleted. James, I sure appreciate you joining us, man. Yeah, uh, happy to good come work by. with all your sounds and whatnot. And, I appreciate uh, it. But uh, hope uh, hope this coming year uh, turns around and and hopefully furs will will go back up. Uh, oh my gosh. Probably next year. Hope. Well, if the dang wore it in, then it'd go listen, back up. Listen, guys, um, let's be realistic here. Until we have better relationships with Russia and, and China, China, which are the two Ukraine. biggest world yep. buyers That's exactly in the right. world, and and the shipping lane prices come down some, yep. okay, because they're ten to twenty times higher depending on your Trans-Pacific shipping, then fur prices are going not going to be very high. Yep. That's just a reality yep. of the situation. But I'm hoping you guys are hunting coyotes not because of fur, but just because you love the endeavor. Well, and that's the thing. I mean, it's we can talk about management. We can talk about, but man, I just love it. Yeah, me too. That's the, the end of story right there. <laughs> me too. Hey, could, do you think we might do this again? Oh, I'm sure we, yeah, why not? I, I would love to talk to guys about those six motivators. I'd love to talk about some sequencing. Actually, I was thinking about doing it tonight on my uh, Facebook channel. That was my plan when I got oh, yeah. done with Todd tonight. When we got done hunting, I was going to talk about that and do a live feed yeah. and start going through the motivators. I mean, hunger's pretty, pretty easy, right? But there are some tricks to hunger, too, because some guys sometimes are playing hunger when actually they're triggering protection of territory and resources. Yeah. And, and I thought I'd help differentiate that a little bit and why that happens, you know, why, why you see that, um, hey, I'm running prey. But it's not working like prey. Why not? And right. there are some things that a guy's doing that, to cause that to happen. And and I'd love to discuss that. Yeah, so. for sure. Let's get back on here sometime and do awesome. it. Awesome. All right, man. Sweet. Well, I sure appreciate your time, and uh, we'll see you down the road. I love love to. Love <laughs> to go hunting with you sometime. Yeah, oh, for sure. We, let's do that. Let's let's <laughs> let's February March. Let's go out. And, you know, hunting the wind. You know, it's starting to get. They're starting to get dent up and whatnot. Sounds good. And then uh, and then we'll get back in and and do another one on. On the three Fs times two, I guess. Is. <laughs> or, or maybe I can have you on and and I can run the podcast and we can pick your brain a little bit and I can hand that over to some of the guys on my side that, I, that are calling. Whatever, whatever I, you want to do. I'd man. sure love to share well, some of your a, information. I will tell you, that's the thing that with decoying, <clears throat> you know, the prey distress, you're going to have a lot more the prey side of things, that, that emotion. But as far as the territorial type stuff, boy, you just, you'll see things with a dog in the field that you can't see without it. You know, that territorial sense, how they're, they're defending territory and how they're, you can't see it without actually being in there to put an interference in, in their lives. Well, I thought about getting a poodle pointer for a while so that, because it's one of those rare breeds that actually can turn that drive off right. at home, Shut but, it down. but can, but yeah. once they hit the field, it's they're they're fire, yeah. you know? And, uh, but it was going to be a year and a half wait. Yeah. And, that doesn't uh, surprise me. the more I thought about it, you know, the more I thought, okay, it's going to be a year and a half wait, then I'm going to have to spend a year training minimum, it up. Minimum. Yeah. yeah minimum. At least a year training it up. And I thought, my son, if something happened to me, he's stuck with the dog. 
And I just thought, I'm getting, you guys, I know if everybody thinks, how old do you think I am? Uh, probably 52-ish, maybe. Good man. Yeah, you're closer than most people. Most people say 45, right in there. I'm uh, I'm starting to get the wrinkles yeah, of this yeah. year. Well, um, I'm 42, and I figure you're maybe yeah. about 10 years older than yeah, me. Yeah, so. I'm 58. Okay. So, and uh, we only, Bostock's only lived between like 62 and 67. Like if you go back through the whole family line, my mom is about the only exception. She's 76, but I don't know if I'm going to be that lucky. So I just thought, man, if I brought a dog in. Somebody's got to take care of it. Yeah. If something happens to me, (laughs) you know, so get my sounds while you can, man. I may not be around forever. 62 to 67 (laughs) brothers. Get on there. (laughs) Boss, boss predator acoustics on Facebook. All right, man. Appreciate it. Thank you guys. Like to thank James for coming on the podcast with us today. Uh, he uh, he's definitely a fun guy to talk to. Every time I talk to him, it seems like a couple hours pass by pretty quickly. So I sure appreciate him coming out. Um, get a hold of him on Facebook again. That's Boss Predator Acoustics on Facebook. Um, guys, appreciate it. We, this is a good time of uh, getting out there. Again, the breeding season is is just right around the corner. Dogging is just right around the corner, uh, so get out there. Have fun. Good dogs.